Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. God is good. Come on now, you're few in number, but you got to be louder than that. God is good. And all the time. Look, I honestly can understand if it's hard to say that right now because there's so much going on around us. There's so much confusion. There's so much division. There's so many things to celebrate and yet so many things to lament and mourn. But this morning, I think we have a chance to just acknowledge God on the throne. I'm glad you're with us today. If you're joining with us from home, welcome to this time of worship. For those who made it here this morning for our 9 a.m. service, we are excited and you are in for something really special today. I'm super excited that Pastor Ricky has a word that he's been preparing to, to share with us this morning. And so uh, get, get your Bibles ready. If you're, if you're at home, we'll stall for a second. Get a Bible. Get ready so you can get into the word with us. And I'm also really excited to have Mariella leading us in worship today. Thankful for God, just the way that God designs these moments to bring us all back together. I want to ask you to walk with me for a second. If go ahead and just rest your eyes for a minute. Don't fall asleep. It is 9 a.m., but don't fall asleep. Just rest your eyes for a minute. Relax where you're at. How's the last week been for you? Have there been highs? Have there been lows? Have there been times of confusion? Have there been moments of fear? Has anxiety set in? Have you had some sense of relief from that anxiety? During that time, how have your moments with God been? Have you sensed his presence? Have you leaned upon him in ways that only he could satisfy and fulfill? Any of those things that are going on for you today, I invite you, don't put them down. Bring them with you. Bring them with you right now. Because I know the one who desires to speak to the intimacy of your life. And this morning, we're going to worship him. Would you join me in praying as we prepare our hearts for worship? Father, thank you. Thank you that you want so much more than just a song and a word on a Sunday morning. But you desire to be deep within our lives. God, thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are filling voids of space and time. God, that you're present. God, that you, you, you're, you are not absent from the cries of our hearts. And, and you're not more present because we're crying out, Lord, that you are ever there. Thank you. But God, this morning, we just simply desire to know that we're before you. We desire to experience you. We desire to to sing with a joyful heart, God. And if we're not there, we desire to see you move our hearts in that direction. Not because it's simply what we want, but God, we just believe it's what you want. So help us to enter in fully. Help us to come with expectation. Help us to come with a longing and a desire to know the presence of God. And then, Lord, as you do that, instruct us, teach us, mold us, grow us, mature us. And as Peter says, all the more 
as we see the day of the Lord approaching. God, we know you're coming back. So prepare us in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, you are so good. Father, we believe that you desire moments like this when we can just cry out and say, God, it is extravagant to think how much you love us. We can acknowledge all that you've done and all that you're doing. So we give pause in this time of worship, God. We give pause from being the ones who are speaking to be the ones who are listening. God, we ask that during this time you would draw to mind those who we could be praying for right now. God, we ask that during this time you would remind us of the ways in which you have said I love you to us. The, the blessings that we've experienced, that we would be thankful. God, we acknowledge all the ways that you have overcome the problems that seemed monumental in our life the times when we stared at the mountain and said there's no way that I can overcome and yet you did and Lord we come and we sit before you with some great sense of expectation that from up on high, you would reach down to low, and God, you would draw us in. Renew your never-fading commitment to love us. Not in spite of us, but because of us. Because you've loved us so much that you made it possible to experience and express your love through your son, through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So God, this morning we declare to you, Father, we receive that love. We say yes to the gift of love and life that you give to us. We say yes to the call to be your sons and daughters. We say yes to the call to be your church. We say yes to the opportunity to step into right and upright relationship with you. God, do something new and afresh within us. God, renew and restore hearts and minds. And God, the same way that you've allowed us to experience your presence through song, we pray, Lord God, now that our hearts would be ready, our minds would be clear, our attention would be focused, that we would experience your presence in the taught and preached word. As we continue to worship you in that way, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Those of you who are at home, I know you were jumping up and down in your living rooms. You may be seated.
we're in for a special moment uh, for the last uh, four years, three, how long you been with us? I think about four years, for about the last four years, Pastor Ricky has been with us in different uh, roles and capacities, and, um, but one of the things that we've known from the time that he stepped on and, and we've continued to see it on occasion is that, uh, is that Ricky is a gifted preacher. He is someone that God is drawing to himself and is someone who is continuing to handle the Word of God well. He is going to do a one-off message today, and uh, we, we're excited for that. But I want to give you a couple of quick announcements as Ricky comes up and gets his stuff set up for him. Um, one is that starting next week, we're entering into a three-week series that if you're counting, that'll take us right to Thanksgiving weekend, right? A three-week series takes us right to Thanksgiving weekend. And that three-week series is all about cultivating the heart of gratitude, thankfulness, and, uh, and, and, and a spirit of, of saying yes to God. That series is called Enough is Enough, and Pastor Crawford will kick that message off on Saturday at Wissahickon and Sunday with us here next weekend. So you're going to want to make sure you're a part of that. By the way, I mentioned Wissahickon. At 3 o'clock today, if you don't have anything else to do or anywhere else to be, make sure you find your way down to Wissahickon for what they're calling their Fall Festival. Fall Festival. So the Fall Festival will be down at Wissahickon today at 3 o'clock. And so you want to make sure you check that out. And then lastly, um, there are six Sundays between now and Christmas. And between now and Christmas. That's wild to think about. That's wild to think about. But there's some good news in that, right? Number one, Christmas is the time when we most readily celebrate the birth of Christ. Amen? That's a great thing. Amen? Come on, amen, amen. As I said to my one son, who seems like a little bit of a grump, as I said to him yesterday on the way to soccer, I, uh, I put on, um, by the way, this is just a, this is a free one for everybody today. B101 is Christmas music from now until Christmas Day. All right? So even if you're not ready, even if you're not ready, even if you're not ready, here's what I said to him. I said the gift that you can experience right now is to choose to celebrate Christmas, right? And the way I, reason I'm saying that is this. Christmas is a time in which we say thank you to God for the gift of his son. It's a time when family gathers. It's a time when celebration. Let's move into this season joyfully. If you don't have any other reason, here's the greatest reason. Maybe not the greatest, but, but the most practical reason. Christmas also represents one week before 2020 comes to an end. And it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year. So it's, it's almost over. Hang in there. Three weeks of Thanksgiving, and then three more weeks after that, we'll be celebrating Christmas. God is doing something good, and we've got a gift for you today. So with that said, would you settle your hearts? I'm going to pray for Pastor Ricky as he begins to preach the word. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are doing something that is right and that is good. And thank you, God, that you have a great word prepared. I pray, Father God, over this young man. I pray, God, that you would use him in a great way. Anoint his lips to speak only what is yours. Allow us to scribe down everything that, is, that we hear that is meant, for us, meant to stick with us and allow anything else to slide away. Thank you for the gift that he is to our church. Thank you for the gift that he and his wife are to our church, God. What a blessing it is to have them on this team. God, I pray right now, God, that this time would be set apart for the preached word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Good. I'm, I'm excited to be with you. all I hope you guys are excited uh, likewise and excited for what the Lord has to say this morning. Um, 
I know sometimes we come to church and, you know, depending on how your morning went, I know me, I skipped breakfast, so pray for me, please. Um, but depending on how you woke up this morning, it could be a little bit like, you know, you're, you're just kind of, you know, dragging your feet a little bit. But I pray that you are encouraged um, for what God has to say, because I believe he has a word for us this morning and for everyone watching at home. Um, uh, some of you guys don't know this about me, but uh, when I was in high school, probably around ninth grade, ninth and 10th grade, um, I played football. Um, and Crazy, right? See, you guys are learning stuff. Um, so uh, I played football. Um, just to kind of get this out the way, I was not varsity. I did not start. But um, what kind of made me want to try out for the football team, uh, I can remember growing up um, and visiting my cousin's house. Uh, he lived in North Philly, and so every Saturday morning, we would uh, play football at Hunting Park. Uh, some of you guys are familiar, and um, it was just an awesome experience. My cousin, his neighborhood friends became uh, some of my friends, and we would play football um, from early morning till about the afternoon, and then go back and uh, terrorize his house, uh, play Madden, wrestle, and just, you know, do what, do what we did. Um, and I was pretty fast, um, so uh, for the most part, I felt like... Hey, I'm, I'm fast. I got the speed. Um, I had a little bit of hands when it came to catching the ball. And so I was like, you know what, let me let me try out for my high school team. And so uh, the interesting, though, uh, part about that is in my mind, I was like, I'm fast. I have hands. I've, I've played. And, you know, uh, during those games with my cousin, I, I made a couple touchdowns. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Right. So I, and, and I'm looking at all the, the football players or whatever from my school and I'm admiring. I'm like, man, I would love to do that. And so it looked very fluid. It looked very in sync. Um, and so the very first uh, day of practice in the summer, um, I was excited. I woke up. My dad made me breakfast and, uh, you know, full breakfast, which is something you should not do your first day of practice. And I'll, I'll explain why. Um, but I went to camp. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a running back, I'm a wide receiver, and so they're just going to notice, and they're going to just have me running these, these drills that are centered around me, right? And uh, that was not the case. Um, so we, I, di I didn't realize, but the first day was conditioning. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but basically it's where they run you down to the ground to make sure that you're ready for the season. And when that breakfast uh, that I told you about, um, it, it came out, right? Um, so uh, that did not stay in my system very long. Um, and so all of my perceptions for that, uh, for what football was really like kind of went down the drain. And I stuck it out for um, a couple years. But um, my point is this, that sometimes in our minds we have this image of something, right, that looks beautiful, that looks like something we want to uh, participate in, and something that we would even say, hey, I want to be a part of that. But until we actually experience what it takes to get there, I think sometimes we, we find ourselves not truly realizing what uh, what it takes to get there. And so what am I speaking about? Uh, unity, right? Many of us love the idea of unity, right? Many of us would say as believers, especially we value unity. Um, but I think when we talk about how it, it, what it takes to get to, to be unified, um, and, and today I'm specifically speaking of believers in the church, what it takes to be unified, I think sometimes we will find ourselves um, a little bit discouraged, and, and, and even maybe a disillusion, because I think in our minds, we think unity simply means niceness, 
right? Or unity simply means uh, just getting along without having disagreements. But if you've been in the faith long enough, you know that that's just not true, right? Right? How many of you guys have been at church long enough? You guys know that there are disagreements, there are different views that we hold. And in order to pursue unity, um, we got we to gotta die to some pride. Come on now. That doesn't sound cute though, right? We, we talk about it. We're like, hey, I want unity. Unity sounds beautiful, right? It sounds like we're all holding hands together. But, but unity takes dying to self, dying to our pride, even putting aside maybe temporarily or maybe even um, for a good portion of the time, putting some of our views, our beliefs, right? And in order that we would love one another. And so I said this, that uh, unity does not mean just simply niceness. It's not just coming to church and kind of waving, right, with a, with a nice smile on, right? Um, it's not simply um, the absence of confrontation, healthy confrontation. But this is what unity is. Unity is recognizing that all of us as believers, if you've put your trust in Jesus, all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and that we are united under the truth of his word, right? And I know that we can kind of start uh, parsing that out a little bit about what it is more, but that's essentially what it is. It's recognizing that we are all family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of what we look like, regardless of our status, um, and that we humbly have been invited into God's kingdom by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, I, I come before you just once again, God, and just uh, asking, Father, for, for my sake, for all of our sake, God, would you, Father, fill us uh, with a spirit of unity? God, fill us with a desire to, to, to be unified together, God, to pursue this because this is what you desire. Um, speak through your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Um, so today we're going to be in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Many of you guys are familiar with this passage, I'm sure. It's a beautiful passage. It's kind of the core uh, part of Philippians. And all of this is centered around this idea of unity through humility. Unity through humility. Um, but before we get there, I kind of want to unpack some things. So uh, Paul and Timothy, they're kind of co-writing this letter, right? And Paul... Uh, the interesting thing about this letter is that Paul in, in the whole entire letter is, is super encouraged, uh, super uh, uh, just uh, happy and rejoicing. And here's the interesting thing about it. He's in prison, right? And so he's in prison. He's rejoicing. And he's uh, writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And he is encouraging them because since Paul has left uh, this uh, church or this region of Rome, uh, Paul had been hearing, at least partly, that there had been some strife going on, right? There was some persecution going on in the church. We don't know exactly what it was. It might have been life-threatening, uh, maybe not, maybe just ridicule. Um, but Paul felt the need to uh, encourage the body of believers that they would not just bicker and, and harbor disunity amongst one another, but that they would actually become one. So it's one thing to proclaim, hey, I'm a Christian, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but to actually live like it is a whole separate thing, right? And so Paul encourages uh, the people through this letter. And so um, we're going to start reading in chapter 2, verse 1. And so join me. It says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. I want, you to, I want you to think about that for a second because Paul's first motivation about what it means to be unified is that we recognize the grace of God that we've all received, right? Um, I, I was, I was kind of looking up, God, what, what, what kind of encompasses this a, a little bit? And um, in the NBA, when you win a championship, right, it doesn't matter if you were riding the bench or if you were their top scorer, everybody gets a ring at the end of that championship, right? Which is kind of crazy because that, that would sound great to ride the bench and still get a ring at the end of the season. That would be amazing, right? Um, and, uh, but, but this is essentially what it is, that no matter where we are in our faith, no matter uh, the status of who we are in this world, God says what unites us and what should motivate us to, to live unified with one another is the fact that we all have received benefits from being in Christ. You see, the gospel is this, that none of us deserved forgiveness or salvation. In fact, we deserve the exact opposite. We deserve punishment from God because of our sins. But God, in, in an effort to, to save us, he sent his own son into the world, his own begotten son, his most precious gift. And by faith in what he did, his death, his resurrection, we have salvation. We have uh, oneness in Jesus Christ along with every believer who has done the same. And the byproduct of that, all of those benefits that we receive, we've, we've received forgiveness, we've received love. I mean, the songs that we sung, I mean, I was, I was moved to tears because when it said how much God has done to say that he loves us, right? We've received so much grace, so much forgiveness, so much mercy. We've received uh, as an extension of God's grace, we've received from uh, believers, prayers, concerns, love, fellowship, right? All of these things come from Jesus. And, and, and maybe you're, you're, you just weren't as sinful as I was, but when I think about God's grace, I mean, I am blown away because I recognize where my mind was. If I could count 10 years ago, maybe, what, what I was doing, where my heart was at, where my mind was at, right? And God came in and, and loved me and showed me grace, and through the church, God showed me grace and forgiveness and mercy came alongside of me. When we recognize that, guys, we recognize we've all been recipients of God's grace, God's gifts, and that should motivate us to say, man, this is my brother or sister in Christ. I know we might not agree on everything, but they are recipients of grace along with me. And so Paul is, is saying to us, remember, if you're struggling with unity, remember the grace of God that he's given you. Remember the grace of God that he's given you. None of us deserved it, and yet God gave it freely through his son. And so it motivates us to unity with one another. Paul goes on to, to give this command. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, va value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of the others. So what does unity look like? It looks like living in humility to one another. It looks like not... Uh, 
uh, looking at ourselves higher than we ought. It, it, it looks like not looking down our noses towards someone else because of how much money they make or how well read they are or what color their skin is. Uh, all of these things are reflections of selfish ambition. When we exalt ourselves instead of humbly saying, man, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, the way that I look at you is, is, is the same in a sense because we've received God's grace. And so God commands us um, to be humble. He goes on, and this is the the beautiful picture in in Philippians 2. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want to slow down really quick. Jesus and, and Paul, through the Holy Spirit, they're saying that we actually have this mind. We have access to this mind. I know sometimes the Christian life feels like, I can't do this, right? But, but notice what Paul is saying. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Other translations say, um, have this same mind that is yours in Christ Jesus. So we have access to this mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, who being in very nature God, this is Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I read this, guys, and and I, I don't know if you catch this, but... I want you to close your eyes and envision this for a second. I want you to envision Jesus sitting on a throne, crown and robe, worshipped by millions and millions and millions of angels, all of which he created. Creation, everything that he created, sang his praises. And now I want you to Uh, imagine the world that spirals into chaos and now Jesus has a choice he says do I stay here or do, do I come down and Jesus does the unthinkable he he removes his crown he removes his robe and he was clothed in glory. I don't know what that looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning bright lights, right, and, and just kind of a brilliance about him. But he lays that aside and puts on human flesh and comes into the world of chaos. And you can open your eyes. But, I mean, just, just imagine that you, you're, you're in perfect unity with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, uh, and you have everything at your disposal, right? You are the creator of the universe. You are just the, the one that everyone worships, and you're willing to say, I'm going to lay that aside to go and be with people who I created, even though they don't obey me, even though they don't admire me as much as the angels do, even though they don't understand who I am. I'm going to come down. I'm going to love them. I'm I'm going to lay down my privilege, my rights in order to serve them. You see this picture in John 13, 10, where it says Jesus, he actually gets down. And in that time, uh, only servants wash feet. But can you imagine the king of the universe come down and washing feet? 
and we say to ourselves that uh, to love uh, my brother or sister in, uh, who has a different view than me is, is beneath me. He goes further. Not only did he humble himself as a servant, but he humbles himself and becomes obedient to God the Father. Remember, he had unity with God the Father. He was in the same status, but he says, God, I'm, God the Father, I'm going to humbly obey you even though I'm going to be put to death for the sins of a rebellious people who don't love me, who don't admire me, who don't worship me. But I'm going to humble myself further and I'm going to die for them. It's scandalous. Not only that, he, l- listen, the, the, the Roman cross at the time was made for criminals. It was a criminal's death. So I, I don't want you to miss this. The fact that Jesus dies on the cross means that his reputation was completely marred. He's hanging on a cross, and to everybody watching, they heard the news that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They heard the news that he was God. But here is the man just um, uh, criminalized by the state sentenced by the state to death, and he hangs there and loses his entire reputation. I mean, if it was us and people are slandering, saying, that's not God. I mean, can you imagine how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, God, I would have I like said, oh, I'll show you who's God, right? Like, but that is not what Jesus does. He hangs there uh, naked, embarrassed, ashamed, viewed as a criminal, And he dies on a cross. And why did he do it? Because he loved us. Because he was willing to save us when we didn't deserve saving. He was willing to humble himself for our sakes, even though we didn't worship him. And so, friends, when we think about that, we think about the grace that we receive. We think about what Jesus himself did for us. I mean, how can we we not love our brothers and sisters? Right. How can we not humble ourselves in our conversations? Right. What does it look like to 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 humble ourselves? The, the Bible kind of uses this uh, analogy about dying to self. When we look at what Jesus did, dying to self simply means that we are putting ourselves. Uh, we are uh, lowering our status. And, and hear, hear me. I'm not saying do not be successful. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't uh, get education, right? These things are valuable, but, but being humble means that we're not going to exalt these things above loving our neighbor, loving one another. And so um, here are some things to consider in our conversations. Are we dying to self? This whole week and even prior have been filled with division in our, in our speech, um, on Facebook, maybe even in our hearts. But here's some things to think about. In our conversations, are you humble enough to admit when you don't have all of the facts? What am I saying? I mean, sometimes we enter into conversations and we pretend like we know it all, but we really don't. And that's pride. That's not dying to self. Are you humble enough to ask for clarity when you don't understand? Much of which I've seen in our uh my Facebook post particularly and just even in conversations is that uh, most people when they're arguing, they don't ask for clarity because they would rather argue than to actually uh, love and understand. And so it takes a little bit of dying to our pride to say, hey, um, I don't know all the facts or would you help me to understand what you're saying? Help me to understand your view. But most times we are unwilling to because we would rather exalt ourselves in that moment. And it's deceptive because 
It does no justice to their viewpoint that you're arguing against, right? It doesn't value our brother or sister. Um, are you humble enough to actively listen, not just for rebuttals, but to understand? I mean, this one, this one gets me all the time. Um, a lot of times when we are discussing things, when we're having conversations, it's very easy um, to not or to pretend to listen, right? But only for the purpose of getting our word in. I'm guilty of this, y'all, in, in my marriage um, and in other conversations that I have with, with folk. But uh, are we humble enough to say, man, I value enough to listen to what you're saying. I value enough to seek to understand. And hear me when I say this. I said this at the beginning, not just in our conversations, but, um, but it is not, it is not, not unity when we challenge one another in love. Because that, that's, the, that's the false idea that uh, love and unity means that we can never disagree, we can never challenge each other. Well, here's the thing. The Bible gives the standard of what we're unified under, right? John 17 says, God, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So it's not that we're unified under whatever we think. We're unified under what the word of God says, what the gospel says. And so when we challenge each other in love, Right. There are moments that it might get a little bit heated. There's moments that we might not like what we hear from another brother or sister. Right. But it is OK to challenge one another in love, provided that we respect one another, that we watch our tone. We watch uh, how we speak about their character. We watch how we uh, speak about their views, that we make sure we don't uh, misrepresent their views in any way. And so we can still challenge one another in love. I got some more ideas uh, in, in what this means. Uh, pride in our relationships. Uh, do we seek to make time for others in your church and other believers? Do you pray for them and not just yourself? Do you ask them what's going on in their lives and not just uh, reveal what's going on in yours? This is hard, y'all. We got to keep this in mind as we're having conversations, as we're uh, seeking to be unified, our relationships with one another, they reveal whether we are seeking our own ambition, our own vain conceit, or if we're seeking uh, the building of God's kingdom with uh, unity in one another. Last thing, are you looking for how you can be a blessing to other believers or just how you can get what you want and need? This is the heart of a humble servant. This is what Jesus did, right? Jesus sought to, to lay aside his privilege, his honor, because he knew, one, God had it all for him. When you read John uh, chapter 13, it says, Jesus, knowing where he was going, knowing where he came from, he was willing to lay aside. Why? Because he trusted God with everything that he had. His honor was still waiting for him in heaven, right? He knew he was headed back there. So he said, look, I, I can trust my father with, with everything that I have because he loves me. He has everything in store for me. And so I can lay myself down. And if you say, hey, well, my brother or sister believes some crazy political views, has some, you know, crazy ideologies. What do we do about that? Well, I think we can disagree, but don't divide. Even if, even if we're outside the scope. Check this out. This is what I love about Jesus and how he kind of, I don't want to use the word pigeonhole because that sounds negative. But Jesus makes sure that we don't have any cop-outs because if you think about this, Jesus tells us to love our brother or sister, right? And if you consider your brother or sister not your brother or sister, well, check it out. Jesus says, love your neighbor. So who's your neighbor? Well, Jesus makes it clear. Everyone around you is essentially your neighbor. And so you say, hey, they're not my neighbor anymore. They're my enemy. Well, Jesus says, love your enemy. 
You see, so Jesus puts the parameters. He says, love everyone. And again, love is not this cute kind of idea, just like simply we have disagreements, we have challenges, but, but he says, love your enemies, love your neighbors, and especially love your brothers or sisters. And why is he, why is he saying this? Because Jesus knows that there is a world that is broken. There is a world that all they see is disunity, right? When Adam and Eve sinned, it fractured everything. It fractured relationships, which is why Adam and Eve just started blame shifting one another, right? We see it almost immediately, and it's only gotten worse, right? And, and Jesus is saying, the world is broken. Look with me um, at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. He says this. I'm almost done. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So what is, what is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, the reason that I want you guys to be unified is because there is a world that needs to see unity. They need to see what love looks like, that there is a, a, a grace in the midst of a, a, a called out people that even though they are different, even though they disagree on some points, even though they don't look the same, even though their statuses are different, that they still love one another, that there is power to cover every difference. There's power to cover every sort of uh, thing that divides us. And maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, listen, that, that sounds great and all, but when I look at my, my own heart, when I look at what I've been experiencing this week, when I've looked at uh, what's been going on the last uh, few months and longer, I find weakness in my heart. That might be you. Um, that was definitely me. I, I, I've read posts and, you know, I've, I've spent way too much time on Facebook engaging and wondering what's going on in the world um, and, and, and researching. But um, I found myself just like, man, you're a Christian. How could you say that? Right? Or you're a Christian, how could you believe that? Or whatever it may be. And so I, I've wrestled with it too, that there is, if it feels in our nature, there's a lack of power. But, but listen to what Paul writes and what the Holy Spirit writes through him. He says in verse 12, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so this isn't complacency, this isn't God's sovereign, so I don't got to do anything right. No, God says as we are working towards humility, as we're meditating on God's goodness, as we're seeking to humble ourselves in our conversations, in our relationships, we cry out to God and say, God, would you help me to love this brother or sister? God, would you help me to be unified and not cause division? God, would you help me be a reflection of your saving grace to my brothers and sisters so that the world may see who you are? And so daily uh, a, a prayer might look like this. Father God, I realize that I am weak. But God, you said in your word that you desire unity. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit that you would give me opportunities to show love and unity with my brothers and sisters. And would you give me the, the desire and the ability to carry it out. Your prayer might sound different, but that's essentially a prayer that we can cry out daily and God desires to answer it. 
And as the worship team uh, comes back up, um, realizing this, that the world, again, is looking for a unified people. Everyone in the heart, in their hearts, are crying out for unity. They want to see God's love reflected. And Christians, we cannot escape this. We are the vehicle to do that. We are the vehicle that God has designed to see unity in the world, to see the reflection of the gospel. And so when we, we punt the ball on that, we essentially are punting the ball on the Great Commission. We are punting the ball on the grace of God that he desires to show in the world. We are the manifestation of, of God's glory to the rest of the world. And so I want us all to take that seriously. I want us all um, to consider ways that we may have even fallen short in the last few months, maybe even this week with the way we've spoken, maybe the way our hearts have grumbled against one another. And would you ask God to soften your heart? Would you ask God to remind you of his grace? And would you ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you to, to be unified with one another? Amen. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much, God. Um, Father, we recognize that we have fallen short of your grace. God, thank you for the grace that we have, you have shown us, God. I, I think of the passage that says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And so, God, would you remind all of us, God, the deepness of your love, the deepness of your forgiveness, God, that you have given us and all of the benefits we've received in the gospel God, that you would allow us, Father, in that uh, to love one another, even when we disagree. God, I pray for anyone who's harboring bitterness, God, that you would soften their heart, God. Anyone that uh, needs to forgive another brother or sister, God, that you would give them the power to do that, God. Any, uh, that, anyone that has to uh, admit that they uh, wronged another brother or sister, God, that you would do that, God. Father, so that the world might see, Lord, you, the unity of the gospel. And if you're here and you're hearing this and the good news of the gospel, I pray that you would repent, you trust in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, that you, God desires you to come into God's family, that this is what it's about, that God took away your sin, God didn't hold it against you, but he sent Jesus into the world to save you so that you might come into a unified family. And we're imperfect. We're imperfect, but God is doing a work um, so that we would we would grow in that relationship. And so I pray that you are encouraged with this word today, church. And if, if you uh, do not know Jesus, I pray that that encourages you. Put your faith in Jesus. Come into the unified body of Christ that we're longing to see. Amen. Amen, man, man. Woo. God is up to something good. I am so, so thankful for all of you. For those who are at home, you didn't get a chance to see it, but, man, what a, what what was happening on the other side of the camera as people were worshiping. There's some young people here with us today and, and, and they were moving into a time of worship and our littlest one was, was clinging to the microphone and singing along, crying out Waymaker. And I don't know if he fully understands what that means just yet. But sometimes I cry out things that I don't understand what they mean yet either. And God is doing a work to mature those thoughts that one day soon, each one of us will be able to say Jesus is our Lord He's our way maker. That he is the one who made things possible when things seemed impossible. So wherever you're at on that journey of following the Lord today, I want to encourage you. Lean in. Celebrate the goodness of God. Cry out to God and lament the things that seem broken and hurting amongst us. 
be a part of the unified church as Pastor Ricky was talking about. As we prepare to leave this place today, as you prepare to move on to all the things that God has ahead of you today, I want to remind you one way that we worship the Lord is we give. We give. If you haven't moved your giving digitally yet, I want to encourage you to do that. One, one pastor said it this way, and I, I thought it was right on. All the things that we care about, the things that are routine and natural as a part of our life, we, we, we make them rhythmic. We, we, we make it natural. We, we, we move it online if possible, and it just becomes a part of our routine. I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet more, uh, bo- participated in the practice of giving regularly, really encourage you to do that. If you're here with us today, you can do that here in person in the box, or you can go online, and you can go ahead and, and give your gifts there online. But we're excited that God is continuing to do great things here in our midst. Join back with us at 11 o'clock today, 3 o'clock down at Wissahickon for Fall Festival. And uh, if not, we'll see you back either on the Zoom on Tuesday night or uh, in person or on Zoom for Bible study on Thursday. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.